Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, today on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we have uh, an interesting uh, person, uh, writer, kind of observer who has a good take on a few things. And, and as he's mentioned in, in our conversation, uh, it, he, he covers a lot of areas that we have certainly looked at. So first of all, who do we have the pleasure of speaking to today? My name is Henry MacDonald. I'm a journalist with uh, over three decades of experience. I For 23 plus years, I was uh, Ireland correspondent for The Guardian and The Observer newspaper. I also was senior national UK reporter. And in that uh, uh, brief, I got to specialise in in the impact of tech on various aspects of life from from the battlefield to hospitals to, you know, uh, the labour market in general. So uh, I have an interest in in technology and how it's impacting on our lives. And I believe that not enough, in fact, is written in the mainstream media about how tech is transforming the world. Yeah, and I think it, it, with that cross-disciplinary areas that you cover, it, it enables you to kind of join up the dots. So um, I guess in that context, uh, how, how would you kind of summarise uh, what you're interested in and what you're working on now? Well, uh, what I'm interested in is the impact of tech on the various aspects of life and <laughs> humanity, I suppose. Uh, I just finished an, a novel, uh, Clara and the Sun, uh, recently, but, and um, you know, it's all about the impact of, uh, of robots on social interaction in the, fu- in the near future. But uh, I'm working with Jackie DeBurka on a new podcast uh, called Constructive Voices, which is principally aimed at the the construction industry, everyone from uh, the builder on the, on the site, the painter and decorator in in the in the housing development, right up to the CEOs of uh, big construction companies in Ireland and the UK, and hopefully beyond as well. And we're one of the themes we're looking at is the impact of technological change on that industry and how, how it's going to uh, adopt and mold it in the future. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and I guess the uh, the building industry uh, is one of those areas that has a massive impact on CO2 emissions and equally has has a big potential to, to do things in a very different way. I mean, and as you've kind of touched on there, I mean, we've certainly done some interviews with people who are using hempcrete and different uh, types of more positive building materials so so with your podcast what, what do you hope to cover and what kind of people are you talking to well we are we're covering a story that i initially broke about a, uh, a new company called changing streams which is based on merseyside in liverpool and has strong connections with the with the with liverpool university and it's a man called neil maxwell and he basically had a kind of road to damascus Conversion. He's a builder all his life, and he went on a what he called a life-changing voyage to the Arctic uh, in 2018. It was for his 60th birthday, and it was a one of those uh, tours that includes uh, scientists and environmentalists who told him how plastic 
was uh, a, was you know such an enemy of of the environment in the Arctic that plastic pollution in the oceans was killing Arctic wildlife and and fisheries, but also how it was polluting the that part, that important part of the planet in in, in the in the North Pole. So he came back and decided, well, I'm a builder. I'm I've been working with plastic all my life in 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 the trade for you know decades upon decades. And I'm going to um, explore how we can get plastic reduced or even out of the building trade uh, altogether. So with scientists at the University of Liverpool, for example, their oceanography department, he formed this organisation called Changing Streams. And they're doing things like very practical things. For example, they've earmarked uh, and targeted a paint. Uh, This is something I wasn't really aware of, uh, that paint contains a lot of plastic and Neil has found out that, in fact, you can get paint without plastic. It's not necessary to to, to, to have to, to use paint with plastic in it. So he's um, already working on a coding scheme to tell, let the consumer put 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 a bit of the onus on the consumer. You know which paints have the most plastic uh, content inside the tin in your in in your B and Qs and your home bases or wherever you go to to buy your paint. Or your local hardware store. So he's trying to campaign and persuade colleagues in the building industry, big players, very big players in the UK construction industry to look at alternatives uh, that will not have plastic and paint as a start. Other things too, you know, wrapping building material like bricks, for example, not in plastic, but in other biodegradable materials that don't damage the environment. So there's a good pla- uh, good example of someone we want to talk to on Constructive Voices uh, because uh, that's members of the industry uh, having the planet in mind. So it isn't just about greenhouse gases and governments and the big conferences that are coming this year, especially the big one in Glasgow uh, in the autumn. It's also about people working at ground level in industry, and Neil Maxwell will be one of those people that we're, we're very keen to have. And... It's a, this is an industry based on profit margins and they're going to have to calculate their costs. But one thing one of the scientists I interviewed uh, did say that was really interesting was he, he, she pointed out that, you know, once upon a time, asbestos was ubiquitous in buildings all over the UK, Ireland and way beyond. And we didn't, re- uh, when it, it was used, we didn't know how much damage it was doing to uh, human health. Uh it's now unthinkable to put asbestos into into buildings, into you know new constructs, and they what they want to do at Changing Streams over the next decade is to make plastic as um, un, in a way unacceptable, if you like, uh, and asbestos. And I know the two things are not directly connected, but you know there's this, they're arguing that the damage to the planet is 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 as serious as the damage that asbestos did to human health. So we're talking about within the next decade, I think that will take a long time and costs will have to be taken into consideration. And, you know, and the hard-headed business people convinced that getting rid of plastic is not going to drive up uh, building costs. So they're talking about 10 years. You mentioned asbestos and asbestos is, is a good example of how there's been a complete game changer. And so, you know, in, in I think in, it was yesterday, maybe even... Uh, um, Morgan Stanley and Citibank both announced, you know, uh, massive investments that are focused on sustainability and, you know, uh, 
environmentally appropriate technologies by 2030 to spend one trillion. So therefore, you know, uh, it, it is a thing where we could potentially have a paradigm shift very quickly. So for for your your podcast, do you already have a, a line of cool, interesting people that you've planned to talk to? And and if so, what kind of uh, interesting people and technologies are you looking to uh, highlight? Well, to go back to the plastic issue, uh, in the UK, uh, they tell us that the building trade generates around 50,000 tonnes of plastic waste a year, okay? Now, their aim, uh, that's uh, Neil Maxwell and uh, the scientists at the University of Liverpool at the School of Environmental Science, uh, uh, the, uh, it's an architect there called Dr. Gareth Abrahams, they drafted a charter that they hope could become legally bang- binding, okay? And what the aim ultimately is, is to make construction plastic free by 2040. Okay? All right? Now, they're going to do this through a number of ways. They're going to phase out paint-containing plastic, establish a traffic light guide to warn which paints contain plastic to dissuade customers from buying it. And they're also going to build, at, on the university campus, they're going to build a template house without any plastic material. Okay? It'll be like a, an example of a plastic-free home. And also, obviously, things like the end of use of plastic wrapping for building materials such as bricks and cladding. Okay? So we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully have Gareth on at some stage to talk about the science behind it and how it can be done. But they believe by 2040, plastic could be completely taken out of the, the, the building industry. And that's 50,000 tonnes of waste that will no longer exist each year, which is currently being generated. Is your remit very much global? And then you're, you're looking at uh, interesting examples from around the world to kind of curate and showcase where, 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 where people are doing it well? Well, yes, I mean, the podcast will look at that, but we're also looking at other things around the world, like, uh, uh, like building projects. I mean, we're, uh, there's a, <laughs> it might sound flippant, but there's a, there's a talk about a tunnel between northern ireland and scotland that might be built in the near future so we we want to be talking about people who have developed that technology elsewhere say the link between sweden and denmark for instance uh also um we're going to be talking about uh you know let me see i'm trying to think, think out loud. yeah oh yes there, there's a number of seminal constructions uh stories we're going to be doing new build for example and this is very salient at the minute with the controversy over the European Super League. We're going to be talking to uh, a journalist who is an expert on Real Madrid about how the Bernabeu, which, as you know, is one of the great world cathedrals of football, is actually going to be rebuilt and, and how they're going to, to construct a railway station beneath the pitch to bring vans directly into the stadium. It sounds like something out of a sci-fi comic, but this is what they're going to be doing in the next 10 years. And of course, it's, it's very relevant at the minute, given this attempt to break away and form this European elite. We're also going to be looking at, closer to home, another big sporting uh, construction project. Again, go back going back to Liverpool and the, the building of Everton's new ground at Bramley Moorduck on the banks of the River Mersey. So it's going to be local and global constructive voices. We are going to be looking at projects around the world, Eek- ecological projects linked to the the building industry but other grand projects as i say like you know bridges and tunnels that link nations together under the sea 
because there is talk of this happening between Scotland and Northern Ireland. Some say it's fanciful. We will see. We will talk to the, the scientists. At all times, I believe we should be led by the science. It, it's just like the climate change issue. I think when we were talking to changing streams, we wanted to talk not only to Neil, who, who is the creator of the project, but also the people doing the science behind it. I think definitely, and like it is an exciting time because, you know, there are technologies that have been created that, that can make a big difference. Um, and you see, you'd also mentioned about, say, AI and machine learning. So uh, in theory, you know, with large amounts of data, we may be able to achieve insights that we hadn't realized were possible. Uh, so do you see a coming together of both, you know, uh, kind of deep tech solutions and also the use of that for, for better building efficiency and things like that? Well, can I just widen this out a wee bit beyond building even? I mean, one of the things I found very odd as a journalist at The Guardian and now researching all these stories for uh, Constructive Voices is there seems to be a lack of curiosity within a lot of the mainstream media as to the forward march of tech and AI in our world. There's plenty of people writing about it, but in terms of its impact on important aspects of our life, it's not, um, it's not heavily focused on. And yet when you write about it, the traffic, I mean, The Guardian is a global news organisation. When I wrote for them, anything I wrote about with AI, with AI in it would attract a huge amount of readers around the world, okay? But I just think it's rather odd. And it's also the case I found in academia, uh, in the humanities. There's a lack of thinking about how is this going to impact not only on what I'm teaching, but the, pro the job prospects of students that, I, I, that are going to graduate from this department. Say, for example, in law, for instance, right? So uh, there's a lot of work being done by the, the like of the Suskins on the impact of algorithms and, and machine learning on uh, the, the legal profession. I mean, being blunt, that could take out a huge swathe of the legal community, especially you know, at solicitor level, you know, the conveyancing, selling your house, uh, also accountancy too, would have an impact. That could all be done by machines. It could all be done by learning with maybe one or two people in an office, you know, running, running the machinery and, and knowing and meeting the clients. In law schools, and I know this for a fact, my daughter graduated in law two years ago, right? Not only were they not taught the ethical implications of AI in all its forms, they weren't alerted to the fact that many of the jobs that they could be hoping to go into in the legal profession, for instance, may not exist in 10 years' time, okay? May be made redundant because of machine learning and algorithms. Uh, is the, the, this, is, this is the challenge a little bit, isn't it? That, like you're saying, when mainstream media writes about this, they don't go into the nuances of it or, or, or it resorts to, uh, you know, journalistic shorthand that everything's either going to be a Skynet Terminator scenario and AI is going to take us over uh, and like you say it, it is a more uh, nuanced uh, progression of what's going to happen and, and and it's a bit like maybe reporting on bitcoin you either write about it means media tends mainstream media tends to read the right about the price going up price going down scams and and there's less of an exploration of how blockchain can help uh, in medicine and land registry and stuff so uh, 
this is a challenge and and, and i guess is this why uh, you look to do things like a podcast and longer form articles because it's very hard to to explain things well in in in, in the short form format that is the mainstream media is that a challenge and how do you deal with that yeah it is a challenge uh look it's it seems to me it's either utopia or dystopia there's nothing in between yeah. with a lot of the mainstream media coverage okay now, there are things yeah. that you can be worried about. I mean, one of the stories I, I wrote in 2018 and 2019, which gained a lot of traction online, was the campaign to stop killer robots. These are the military killing machines of the future, not drones. Drones are still controlled by human beings, albeit they might be thousands of miles away. But these are robots you send into battlefields and, and they can take on a life of their own and, and act semi-autonomously. And uh, there's a number of campaigners, including the professor of robotics and AI at Sheffield University, Professor Noel Sharkey, who, um, who believe that these, these, these uh, weapons are akin to chemical warfare. They're as dangerous and, and, and inequitous as, 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 as the use of chemical warf- chemicals in, in warfare and should be banned in the same way internationally. I mean, that's a dystopian story about the advance of technology. But there are lots of others that aren't. And uh, in medicine, you're getting, there's a possibility, for example, who knows in the future, where a roboticized GP service could treat people who are not normally treated equally uh, on a much more fair basis. There's lots and lots of evidence uh, done through various universities across the United States that if you're poor, black, uh, immigrant, you get less time with your GP than if you're white, middle class or upper class, right? In terms of uh, the, the time you're, you're given for to be treated, to be looked at and so on and at primary care. And the argument goes among the more kind of uh, people who are positive about AI yeah. on medicine that a machine will not discriminate if, if its algorithms are set fairly and are re- regulated. And one of the most interesting arguments which my partner is actually writing about is that in order to do that, there should be some sort of technological form of the Federal Drug Agency, which regulates what drugs and tablets and medication go on the market. And something similar should be done in relation to these machines that are going to basically be diagnostic machines of the future in every clinic and GP surgery all around the advanced world. And I think uh, that, that that's, a, that's a very, very important step in it. But it could possibly level out uh, and smooth away innate human bias based on race and class. If 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 you're analysed by a machine and you you get equal time and equal attention, so that's that's not dystopian. <laughs> so they're the kind of you're right. The nuances and, and and bigger reads that and podcasts that we need to to discuss because otherwise it swings between utopia and dystopia. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and it's funny, isn't it? Because even when you talk about, you know, unconscious bias and then in theory, uh, AI can be more neutral. You know, we're currently uh, untangling the, you know, the, like the research people like uh, Tim Nick Gebru, who was at Google and, you know, advocated for more diversity because there were algorithms that were better identifying white people than black people. So, 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 so while in, while potentially, AI and machine learning can be can be color neutral and gender 
blind theoretically at the moment they're only as good as the quality of the algorithms that are written and so but then even by us discussing algorithms and imperfect algorithms you can see that uh it's it's interesting and it's important but then it, it perhaps begins to lose both readers and writers who are looking to distill it down to to something like ai is bad and black people are discriminated against so you have this constant pressure between effectively communicating the story and also keeping your readers on board but i think you owe it to the readers too to say look here here it may be a, a good thing <laughs> in terms of technological advance which might take take out a large swathe of uh, gps uh jobs but the one positive byproduct of, product of it is that you could have a diagnostic system that doesn't discriminate because it, it it's 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 color class blind now that's of course how you set the algorithms up in the first place but that's a possibility uh, and it's these are things that need to be discussed more in in academe as well as the media and again what i what i was surprised to learn is in, in law schools uh, people being taught accountancy and so on uh, that they're not being alerted to the dangers of um the jobs market and moreover i, I think it's because of this i think the assumption people make about AI and jobs is the robots in the factory, the famous robots in the 70s on television building, building the Fiat cars. That's the future, right? Assembly line Fordist production models that wipe out the blue-collar workers. There's no talk of how it's going to impact on white-collar, more middle-class jobs in the future, in the near future. And that's because probably a lot of people who are in the media also come from that class of people as well. But... They need to, I think they need to wake up and realise that unless this whole thing is managed, the AI revolution in terms of jobs, their jobs are on the line as much as the factory worker who's building, who's building the car in South Korea or whatever. Well, I think very much so, because, you know, you already have AI programs that can do football reports and business company reports. Uh, and so, but you've, you've got two two things to perhaps draw out of that, which is one, you know, the AI can already create, you know, a, a generic Liverpool versus Leicester football match report, which has already been passable. And the same with company reports. But in theory, that may reduce the drudge that if, if that was the drudge aspect the, the the idea is it perhaps pushes the humans up the food chain because in law as well there's a lot of very tedious clerking aspects to law uh, which an ai could probably do better go and find that file find the relevant case from 1973 so ideally in theory uh, if humans can evolve and use the ai as as a tool like a better screwdriver then it Ideally, it pushes us up to do the more creative aspects of the job. So I think you're right that, it, like, it's de it's it's definitely not just blue collar. It's it has to affect the white collar. But at the same time, in white collar, there's a lot of tedious and repetitious jobs which could perhaps be done better by by AI. So therefore, the conversation hopefully is that. And I guess this recently there's been discussion about maybe more of a universal a universal universal benefit income that. That maybe we don't need all the humans in the world to be working to achieve a degree of quality of life that could be better for a lot of people. So, you, you know, it's it's perhaps a very exciting conversation as well. Uh, uh, what do you think? What do you think? Well, we've, we've, we've been living through it during the pandemic, haven't we? I mean, we, a lot of us have vacated offices. We're working at home. We're probably, uh, I, I don't know if we're working more or less, but we're certainly working in a completely different environment and adopting to it. Well, we've shown that within within the last 
year or two through through lockdown. So I think we're we're experiencing it, and and probably it's, it's only even a glimpse of the future that's coming down the track. Uh, so I I think it's it's definitely relevant. Yeah, I mean we will do we we will be looking at changing stream uh, in in constructive voices. We'll be looking at the technology that will obviously impact on the building industry and that starts with planning for instance and will will planning applications go through quicker thanks to algorithms and will projects get start more rapidly than they would otherwise but i do think also that there's still there's still the room for the human touch i mean i cannot see robots with wigs on their heads and gowns advocating as barristers (laughs) in the foreseeable future you know i can't see uh, a robot being sent to somebody's home to, to ask for a quote about some t- terrible tragedy has been inflicted upon a family. Uh, I'll, uh, you know, I can see, I can see it's already happening in America with uh, sports reporting, some of the baseball r- reporting, which can be very tedious uh, and drudgery, as you, you say. That's being done by machines. Uh, but the, the kind of the, the colour writing, the, the human touch, the... The, the sense of marvel and wonder at certain sporting moments. I think humans will still be needed for that. But just as they'll be needed for their uh, loquacious yeah, look, I mean, uh, advocacy like in court, you know, but, but there'll be less of us doing that, that kind of thing. Tell students that, you know, I wish they would say to them more bluntly, here's where we think you should be going down, here's where we think, you know. I mean, so so we have a lot of interns from colleges and sometimes we find that uh, they they don't seem to be training them in the things that are most relevant now for what they need to know. You know, have a good digital profile, uh, show your creativity. Do you have a blog, particularly like journalism interns? So it's a funny one that sometimes like a lot of colleges are still perhaps uh slightly behind the curve even even as they teach uh how to look at the future uh, but like you said with your example about that we wouldn't have robots arguing in court uh i i'd agree and i think i think that those are the areas where, where humans can add more value uh the humans still do those aspects but but the bit about you know doing the data search for all the examples of x or y you, you, you set a machine to do that so yeah look i think it's interesting times there's a medical school in ireland okay and I know this for a fact that how, how, how many hours does it teach, does it dedicate to the impact of AI and robotics on medicine? One hour out of a whole teaching year, one hour. Right. Now, I think that's, that, 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 you know, that, that's, that's disturbing. And, and, and that would have to include not only knowing that about the technology and how it works how it could impact on eye surgery or or diagnostics in the in the gp surgery right to the ethics of using ai the medical the medical ethics and the medical ethical implications one hour for a major medical school and that's that i think that culture it's like the old cp snow thing about the division between science and humanities yeah, look, and I have heard about some doctors though who, during operation, have have pulled it up, streamed it, and leveraged the insights of other doctors around the world to say, "This is what I'm seeing. What do you think?" So I think you have this thing where, on one hand, it, they may not be teaching it, but but the lived reality of yeah. what's in there. There's amazing stuff going on. Amazing stuff going on. There's amazing stuff going on, and another thing that's, that's happening in the United States and 
the, the partner's a, an expert on this, and you'll hopefully have her on the show at some stage to, to elaborate further on it. But uh, patients' notes, access to your notes, what, what, you know, I, I've been ill over the last few years, and I, I'd love to read my, my, my case notes, my medical case notes. AI will make that available. Now, will the medical profession allow that? Let's wait and see. And the various departments of health and so on. But that's been shown to be in places like Sweden where there's access via your computer to your own medical notes that outcomes for patients have improved because the patients recognise symptoms. So if those symptoms recur, they go straight away to their GP. They don't wait until it's too late. So there's another example of technology benefiting people in a good way in, in, in the medical field by having... Uh, accountability and access to to your medical notes. Yeah, look, definitely. I I think I think the the path towards personalised medicine uh, can only deliver better and better outcomes because they found with cancer cures, some cures work better or worse on different people depending on their own personal you know characteristics. So, yeah, you can't see why why they wouldn't use it. Um, it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you. So how can people learn more about you and your work and the various projects that you're, you're currently working on? Well, we're, we're on uh, Constructive Voices and uh, the link. So it's, it, it's HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash constructive uh, hyphen voices dot com. Constructive hyphen voices dot com. Uh, awesome, Henry. So, look, uh, thanks, but and we'll we'll include the links in the podcast as well, so that everybody can click through and see it. Well, thanks, thanks for giving us a wee bit of publicity. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore Tech News, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News, on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news, on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE, and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.